like a kid in a candy store. Oh, I cannot wait each and every year when it's MLS schedule release day. And that came for uh, for me like Christmas morning yesterday as Major League Soccer released their schedule for 2019. Not a moment too soon. I was champing at the bit. I loved as a kid. You, you remember as a kid. Now, of course, we didn't have the, well, at least I didn't. I'm old. We didn't have all the social media. We didn't have all the computer stuff, the internet and everything. So we, as a kid, you just you were you just absolutely on the edge of your seat waiting for Major League Baseball schedule to get released, the NFL schedule, the NBA, you know, all our favorite sports at the time, at least me growing up. I didn't really follow soccer at that time. And you were just desperate. Well, that's how I feel now. And, yeah, you know, we've got social media. We've got things that, you know, you can get to immediately. MLS actually released a schedule with like a show. They did like a, a digital show over at MLSsoccer.com, a live broadcast where they kind of went over some of the top matchups and everything. And then, of course, the teams officially released a schedule after that in full. And I'm taking a look at LAFC's schedule, and we'll take a peek at the Galaxies as well. Here's the thing about, you know, looking at a soccer schedule now. You can't – it's not the same, just like baseball and NBA – Soccer schedule is, is like those rather than, say, football, right? The NFL schedule is unique in that there's only 16 of them, and you only get eight of them at home. So it's more about, you know, oh, boy, here's what looks like to be tough matchups. Now, that doesn't even always work out that way in the NFL, right? Everything changes week to week, it seems. But for soccer, it's not about comparing and contrasting your schedule with another team's. Because if you don't know in MLS, which I'm sure many of you do, in your conference, Western and Eastern, you play each team twice, home and away now. And in the other conference, you play everybody once. Half of the games are at home against certain teams. Half of them are on the road. And then you switch year by year. So, for instance, as I look at this schedule, of course, LAFC will travel, for instance, to Columbus this year because they played Columbus at home last season in their first campaign. Stuff like that because that's an Eastern Conference team. So we knew we knew some games, like LAFC would have to go to Columbus they would play Montreal at home, you know, and so on and so forth in terms of the Eastern Conference. Now, the Western, it's just well, home and road. There's no three games this year against the Galaxy. We're not going to have three El Traficos because of the now balanced amount of teams with FC Cincinnati joining the league. Only two games. We'll get to those. Those are the big ones, of course. But as I look at the schedule for LAFC, what jumps out at me, this is how you have to compare and contrast MLS schedules. It's not about, like, who's tougher in terms of the teams. It's just your own schedule and how it kind of shakes down. This is a tough, tough start to the season for LAFC on paper. Now, they had six road games last year to start the season. They won four of them. So that was tough. But this is a brutal schedule. Let's go over just the first month, for instance. March. They start on the third. We knew that. Taking on Sporting Kansas City at home. The only team to win at Bank of California Stadium. That wasn't LAFC last year, right? Until the playoffs. So the only team to win in the regular season or the U.S. Open Cup at Bank of California Stadium, Sporting Kansas City, right out of the jump, we host them at home, 5 p.m. Pacific time. Sunday, March 3rd. So it's the the national window there. A week later, you're taking on the Timbers at home. Another tough game. Then you travel all the way across the country to take on NYCFC in that little sandbox they play in at Yankee Stadium. It's the size of a postage stamp. Not an easy place to play. You've got Real Salt Lake back at home on Saturday, your first Saturday game on the 23rd. Your first three games were all on Sunday. 
And then a tricky game to wrap up the month on the road at Avaya Stadium against the hated and awful San Jose Earthquakes. The horrible, the disgusting Earthquakes. But the problem is, they got a new coach who knows what he's doing in Matias Almeida. And as bad as they were last season, you never know. Right? I mean, it's early in a season. A team doesn't really know how bad they are yet. And to make matters worse, just the first game in April, you're going all the way across the country again to take on D.C. United on Saturday, April 6th. And, by the way, they've been pretty tough since getting Wayne Rooney and since opening Audi Field at home. So it is a really, really interesting, another interesting six games to start the season. Remember, last year was all because they were on the road. And who knows what's going to happen with an expansion team six games on the road. Well, they started out four and two. I'll tell you what, right now, I'll take four and two again with this schedule. Sporting Kansas City, Portland at home, at NYCFC, Real Salt Lake at home, at San Jose, and then at D.C. United. Give me four and two, I'll take it right now. I know you're trying to win everything, you want to get 18 points. I'll take 12. That is a brutal start to a schedule. Other games of importance and of note, kind of interesting stuff here in the schedule. They'll play... FC Cincinnati, the expansion team, will come to Bank of California Stadium on the 13th of April. And then it's the first midweek game on Wednesday the 17th. That's against Mark Dos Santos, the new manager and, of course, former LAFC assistant with Vancouver at BC Place. Another interesting quirk, immediately on Sunday, April 21st and Sunday, April 28th, it's back-to-back against the Seattle Sounders, first at home, and then they go to CenturyLink. So you're playing two straight games against the Sounders. That happens later in May when you go Thursday, Sunday against FC Dallas. The first one at home, and then they both travel back to to, uh, Dallas at Toyota Stadium on Sunday, May 19th. That is weird. Later in the year, you're wondering, but then, oh, are they playing on July 4th? Well, July 3rd, they'll be on the road. LAFC will be at Sporting Kansas City to wrap up that two games against Sporting Kansas City. Remember, they're starting the season against them. These are the big ones. Here we go. You ready? I've waited so long. I'm, what, six-plus minutes in, and I haven't told you about El Trafico? The first game between these two teams at the newly named Dignity Health Sports Park. It'll be a Galaxy home game on Friday, July 19th. Mark it down. And then Sunday, August 25th, the rematch at Bank of California Stadium. Oh, cannot wait. It's so unbelievable when the schedules come out, isn't it? Like, we're just on the edge of your seat. L.A. Uh, Galaxy began, of course, as we knew, hosting Chicago Fire at Dignity Health Sports Park. That's Saturday, March 2nd, the day before the black and gold open up. And then the, the week after, they go to FC Dallas on the 9th. Minnesota United back at home. Portland at home on the 31st of March. And then April 5th, they're at Vancouver. Bit of an easier schedule there to start the campaign for L.A. Galaxy. L.A. Galaxy needed to get off to a very good start. Because the schedule lines up that way early. Compare and contrast, LAFC, much tougher schedule to begin the campaign. That's what jumped out at me as you look at these two teams. LA Galaxy under new manager, Guillermo Berescoloto. Of course, they've gotten everything squared away with Zlatan. Now a massive DP contract, designated player contract. So now it's about getting off to a hot start if you're the Galaxy. And it looks like the schedule does permit that to be frank. So if the Galaxy start out sluggish, there could be be rough times. I don't suspect that's the case, 
But then again, they still have a lot of work to do building that defense. I'm not seeing it. I'm not uh, I'm not seeing what's going on yet with Dennis Teclusa and building this roster from the back. We know the offense is there. The midfield and the offense pretty much set. We know it. If they're compa- if they're happy with what's going on defensively, well no, they're not. They can't be. So I'm not, I'm not even going to finish that sentence. I would expect some big time signings for the Galaxy in the defensive side, maybe even a trade or two later in the who knows when you start to see what's going down. LAFC, of course, still work to be done, but they have made some moves here to try to shore up everywhere in the park. Everybody was pretty happy with the roster, you would imagine, for LAFC overall, top to bottom. You had to make some moves. You had to get things done, and so far, so good. I do love that pickup of Mohamed Al-Munir. Again, we talked a little bit about that when it happened. He can really go after people on that wing defensively and getting forward, which is, of course, what Bob Bradley loves to do. You still got issues with uh, what's going down with Walker Zimmerman and what's going to you know kind of shake out with that situation. But we'll wait and see because there's still plenty of time here in the preseason. We do have that friendly game I want to talk about a little bit more. Remember the Visa Kobe game against the uh, Japanese side with Iniesta, David Villa, Lucas Podolski. They're coming to Bank of California Stadium. I'm sure most of you have heard of that. If not, January 31st. Well, good news. If you can't make it out to the game, we are going to be carrying that game. And uh, Mario, I want confirmation of this, right? We're having, we will have that live streaming on the uh, ESPN app. We will be streaming on the ESPN app, yes. All right. Good stuff. So January 31st, mark it down. And stay tuned because we also are going to have tickets here too. Oh, not today? Not today. Okay, not, not tonight's today. show. No, not today. But we will, coming up, yes. have some giveaways. We can confirm that. Awesome. Yes, we can. Very good. Love it. Okay, well, that's even better. (laughs) Now I'm more pumped up about that friendly. And your chance, maybe, if you never got a chance to go out to see uh, Bank of California Stadium, maybe you're kind of new to soccer, new to the show. Maybe you're new to LAFC, and you you heard a lot about it during the season, and everybody talking about it at your office or people you hang out with, I don't know, at your tennis club or church or wherever. You started to hear about LAFC, and you never got a chance to go. Well, Hey, maybe you can go to this game, or you might even win tickets here on Soccer Weekly coming up in the weeks to follow, so stay tuned for that. Hit us up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. That's where we continue the conversation. We'll continue this conversation and much more with the great Mark Rogandino. He's part of the LAFC crew for YouTube TV and here on ESPN LA. He'll join us next, right here on the home of world football in Southern California. This is ESPN LA 710. Always fun to break down the schedule, any sport. Whenever you get the schedule, it's so much fun to do that. I really appreciate the First segment, you hang it with me. If you miss anything of the show each and every week, by the way, you can uh, podcast it at the ESPN Pod Center or iTunes or wherever your podcatcher that you live on. Just search Soccer Weekly. Subscribe, rate, and review. And I've been in radio for about 30 years, so I can take a bad review if you want to give me the truth. That's fine. If you hate the show, let me know. We, nobody hates this guy. He's one of the best in the business, one of the most likable dudes in all of the media here in Southern California as well. That doesn't hurt. It's Mark Rogandino joining us on uh, now Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this. Breakdown. Of course, he's part of the LAFC media team there over at YouTube TV and here at ESPN LA. Mark, always good to talk to you, buddy. Hope your uh, new year is off to a good start. Well, happy new year to you and uh, and everybody at uh, the show there, Dave. Uh, usually after an introduction like that, usually I'm expecting someone to be like, 
um, you know, with all those great things you said, you say something like, well, hey, you know, sorry, uh, Bob Costas couldn't be here, so we're stuck with Mark Rogandino. <laughs> he doesn't really know much about soccer, everyone, but we're going to have him talk anyway. No, I'm kidding, of course. He also, you know him from his work at Fox as well, Mark. And, uh, you know, look, here, bottom line, this is the black and gold breakdown. We'll start with LAFC. Of course, the schedule is out, as I mentioned. We broke that down in the first segment. That's always fun. How do you feel when you when you first see the schedule for a new season in a sport? Well, obviously, there's a ton of excitement, right, especially for a team like LAFC coming back for their uh, second season in existence in Major League Soccer. But then you start to dig into the nuts and bolts of the schedule and, you know, or maybe if you want to say uh, the meat closest to the bone – and I tell you what, Dave, it's pretty. It's going to be pretty tough uh, sledding. I think right out, right out the gates, right. You got yeah. a couple of good Western Conference opponents. I think in Portland, and you open with Sporting Kansas City. Um, so good, t- two teams that obviously did well last season. You expect them to be strong again this season. And then I think what is it? Three of the next four go out on the road, and including a trip all the way across the country to play NYCFC. So. Um, a, a similar to last season where you had to deal with a little bit of adversity, obviously playing those, those, those first handful of games with Bank of California Stadium not ready. This is going to be a different type of adversity because, yes, you're going to be on the road, but also you've got some really quality opponents. And I know people are probably saying, well, everyone's a quality opponent for the most part now in Major League Soccer. And while that is true, I think you put maybe teams like Sporting Kansas City and, and Portland Timbers maybe a little higher on the ladder than, say, the newcomers of, of FC Cincinnati or maybe what a team, you know, what another team like, uh, say, San Jose, although they're in that early part of the schedule, too, has done over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, that does scare me going to San Jose with Almeida, the new coach, only because they don't know how bad they are yet when you play a team early. You know what I mean? Like, they haven't had time to go through their injuries and not perform well. I would have much rather seen San Jose on the schedule late in the year, potentially. But, yeah, I don't disagree. It's a tough schedule. Uh, Mark, let me ask you about the – well, go ahead first. And I, and I would I would say along along the lines of that, talking about a team like that, you're going to have some X factors, obviously, every year. But yeah. the good news probably about that is is you don't face his team uh, in week one or week two. So you actually will get a little bit of tape True. that you can review yeah. to see, hey, this is the type of formation they like to play. This is the areas of the field that they like to exploit and where they've had success these first couple of weeks of the season. So it will be somewhat, I agree with you, Dave, a little bit of a, an unknown factor. But at least you will have a tape or two, a game tape or two, yeah. to really take a good hard look at before you make that trip up to Northern California. A very good point, you know. And the, after the great start LAFC had last season, which really propelled the whole campaign, I truly believe that with the six road games, winning four out of six, which was just ridiculously amazing to get started that way. Do you believe, Mark? You've been around sports a long time, not just soccer, of course. We've seen a lot of teams in LA and nationally. Do you believe in like that sophomore jinx, whether it's a player or a team? More specifically, now with LAFC, is it tougher to get up for that second season? I would say I, I believe in it, but I kind of believe in it more for a specific individual as opposed yeah. to a team. Um, again, going back to scouting, we were just touching on a moment ago. I think that there will be some teams, and because LAFC really, for the most part, and I think you agree, Dave, and, and black and gold fans will agree, they have their nucleus back intact. Yes, they, you know, a couple of guys have, have you know, left the roster or have left the club and are not going to be part of the picture going forward. And you never know what kind of new faces might pop in over the next couple of months. Um, especially with the combine going on right now. But I, I think that as a team, this nucleus is pretty strong, and, and Bob is going to make sure that they 
don't have too much of a dip with the offseason and they kind of pick up where they left off. Obviously, there's a little sour taste in the mouth getting knocked out uh, in the playoffs so early. But I think that he's got a game plan to try and you know lift these guys right back up to, to uh, kind of a close to level as to what we saw midway through and ending their first campaign in Major League Soccer. So uh, will there be some individuals maybe? Like maybe a Tyler Miller, right? I mean, Tyler Miller all of a sudden has – burst onto the scene and now he's going to get his first call up with the U.S. men's national team and a chance to maybe play in goal for the red, white, and blue. But at the same token, you know, now there's going to be people that say, hey, he's really good at doing this, but I think we can come after him when he did and do it this way to maybe exploit some of his weaknesses if there is such a thing at this level. We are appropriately talking with former goalkeeper Mark Rogandino. Of course, he's part of the broadcast team for LAFC on YouTube TV and here on ESPN LA. You know his work for Fox, both uh, regionally in Southern California and nationally as well. Mark, you mentioned the LAFC and uh, Tyler Miller with the uh, U.S. soccer camp. Uh, Christian Ramirez also there, and he was an interesting case. Of course, he comes in the middle of the season, takes a little while to settle, no doubt. Uh, wasn't exactly uh, overused, let's put it that way, in his first, I guess, half season with LAFC. Where do they, it, it leads me to, to more specifically talk about the forward position because we know they have to kind of rebuild a little bit of the defense or at least strengthen it because certainly there was some weaknesses back there. Midfield was really solid, very, very solid, the Mark Anthony K injury notwithstanding. And then up front, while they got a lot of production on Diamande, there were some question marks at times. What about Ramirez in this front line for LAFC? Well, let, let, let's start with first, we know, Dave, that over the course of an eight-plus-month season, you're going to need to be able to have a lot of guys be fresh and, and, and you know, there's going to be it's hot streaky cold at streaks. times. Yeah, they get, some there's guys got to get hot at times. Over, over the course of that. I, yeah. I just wonder if maybe Bob Bradley and his staff might, at, and this is when you do it is in the preseason, right, is tinker with the possibility of playing Ramirez and Diamande at the same time. We saw pretty much the entire season that Bob liked to stay in either, you could call it a 4-3-3 or you could call it a 4-5-1. He didn't really ever really go with an idea of playing in you know, like a traditional 4-4-2 and having two strikers up top and it, for whatever reason that just that just was not part of the way that they played but I wonder if maybe you try something like that and and you know maybe you put Carlos Vela at the top of a diamond in the midfield with those two strikers up above him because I think that we've seen yeah. um, Diamande is a guy that can play with his back to goal where he could he could hold the ball and lay it off to guys but Ramirez is best kind of goal poaching and playing in and around, I think, that 25-yard space from the opponent's net. Uh, I don't think we got a true grasp of maybe what Christian can do. So, you know, the preseason is going to be really important for a lot of guys, including him. And I will say, I will say one other thing um, along talking about players. Super excited that Jordan Harvey is confirmed and back, and and he is going. I just I love that guy and the spirit he brings to the team. I think he's going to be continue to be great for these guys. I, I love bringing him back. I do love the pickup of uh, Mohamed El Munir as well on the left side, just to give Jordan a blow every now and again. Because wow, he really he really did Yeoman's work out there. No question, they needed to bring him back. I agree with that. Another guy that we need to talk about. Uh, Mark, that we didn't see enough of for a lot of reasons was Andre Horta. You you don't sign a guy like that uh, going into his second season and his first full season now. He'll have training camp. You don't sign a guy like that to play 12, 13 minutes a game in MLS, right? He's got to yeah. perform this season. 
There's yeah, there's no there's no question. So again, you go back to preseason and talking about how important it's going to be. Um, I, I think we both agree because we were on enough broadcasts, especially here on ESPN LA together, is that you saw every now and then a little glimpse of that fire, that magic that Horta uh, as a young Portuguese international is going to be able to bring to the table. But then uh, because of circumstance, and I think this is what frustrated a lot of LAFC fans because of circumstance. You know, he started to really press. He, want, he wanted to show that he was worth what, you know, having a designated player yeah. attached to his name. And he, he really started to press. And we all could mm-hmm. see it, you know, because, you know, he, he and especially after the mistake that happened uh, in the game against, against the Galaxy, I mean, you knew that he wanted to win over LAFC fans and he wanted to show you, like, hey, I can do a lot of things for this club and this is why you brought me in here. And in any walk of sport, when you start to do that, you know it's really tough for the game to come to you. And it's really tough when you have 10 other guys around you operating and maybe you're, you're at times kind of over-pressing or over-attacking to defend or doing too much with the ball at your feet or thinking a little too much and not just keeping it simple. And that complicated things at times whenever he was out on the field and then consequently down the stretch he didn't see a ton of playing time. Talking with Mark Rogandino, he's part of the broadcast crew for LAFC, both on YouTube TV and, uh, of course, here at ESPN LA. Mark, I'll leave you with this. One last question here. We talked a little bit about sophomore slumps, the possibility of all that hype and how great the first season was. No doubt about it. It was incredible. Uh, LAFC, top to bottom as an organization, virtually didn't miss. Where do you, where are your expectations for season two on the pitch now? Is this a team that has to look at, like, look, we're going to have to win MLS Cup. We're going to have to win the U.S. Open Cup. That's our goal here for 2019 or is that just still a little bit too lofty at this point uh, i mean obviously i think bob bradley would be quick to tell you of course that is always our goal yeah. um and he would you know what else he would tell us which we heard from him many times out of training sessions you know we just if we play our football the rest of that stuff will take care of itself right isn't he always would tell us things like that and and that is true to a degree so i just want to see this team and to answer your first question Yes, you want to have that goal of an MLS Cup, but I just think you want to prove that you are, you know, one of the, let's call it top six. If you combine yes. both Eastern and Western Conference, you're a top six team, right? So you're year in, you're year like, out. Yeah, you're building something yeah. that's going to be sustainable year in, year out. Exactly. Yeah, you're, you know, Atlanta United, what they did in their second season, obviously, is unprecedented success, but all of a sudden, you know, only we've only seen what the Chicago Fire back in the late 90s as a team that was fairly new. Obviously, they were an expansion team and they, went on to win Animals Cup. Now Atlanta's done it in their second year. But I'm just saying, you want to be a team that when people look at your roster, as people have done with LAFC, you go, wow, these guys are really solid. They have a lot of depth. They have a lot of ways they can beat you. They have a lot of ways that they can defend you. You add into the fact you go to Bank of California Stadium, and it's really tough to come in there and win games. LAFC was great at home. That's another fat, another layer that you add on there. So I think you just want to be a top five, a top six team. And then let the cards play as let, let the cards deal and, and get played out as they will when it comes time in October. Yeah, especially now with this uh, one-off format all the way through MLS playoffs, which I do not hate by any means. Well, hey, you're going to hear more from him all over the place with LAFC on YouTube TV and here on ESPN LA. He's Mark Rogandino. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Once again, Happy New Year. Appreciate it. Yeah, Happy New Year to all your listeners. I look forward to seeing you all soon. And, uh, yeah, make it a good one. I'll talk to you guys real soon.
The great Mark Roganino, he's a big part of LAFC's coverage, both on television and here on the radio. We really appreciate him taking the time to break down here the LAFC 2019 campaign as we look forward. That is Black and Gold Breakdown. Still to come, talking Liga Amakis underway again. Didn't Liga Amakis just finish like an hour and a half ago? Didn't they just have their playoffs like 90 minutes ago, Mario? What is going on? Plus, we got the United States men's national team in camp as they get ready for a couple of friendlies. We'll talk more about that. Still to come, stoppage time as well. Oh, we're rolling here on the home of world football in Southern California. It's Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA. Great stuff talking LAFC on the Black and Gold Breakdown with Mark Rogandino. Appreciate that. If you missed any of that interview, you can check it out. On the podcast, don't forget, go to ESPN Pod Center. You can go to iTunes or your podcatcher. Search for Soccer Weekly, two words, and uh, yeah, subscribe, rate, and review. We really appreciate that. It helps us immensely. I know you hear that about a lot of podcasts, but it really does, and we appreciate that. want to talk a little bit about Liga Amekis, which just got going again. And, you know, it's, a, it's an age-old joke. If you listen to this show more than about a week and a half, you've heard me talk about it when the... Uh, Ligia finishes, right? The playoffs finish in Mexico. It feels like the next campaign starts in about an hour and a half. Mario Rees, I know you're a fan of Liga Mekis as well. Yes. Doesn't it? I mean, it's about an hour and a half they have off before the next season starts. I, I swear the final was just like two days ago. Two days ago. <laughs> you're, you're right on there, Dave. I swear they start the Clausura before the Apertura playoffs are over. There's I do. no time for the offseason. Us Mexicans love our football. I guess. It feels like they play 54 weeks out of the year and down in Mexico. I just... I know teams get knocked out, of course. The playoffs take a little while. And, yes, just like in MLS, if you miss the playoffs, you have a lot longer preseason. Because the MLS pre, uh, the offseason, I should say, the MLS offseason is not very long for the teams that make the final. It feels like Atlanta and Portland just played because they practically did. But I must say, I mean, look, I love Liga Mackeys, right? I love following the uh, the Mexican Apertura and Clausura. But, wow, does it come around quick. And we're already into it. Essentially, the first week is done of uh, uh, the uh, Clausura, I should say. And my Toluca, looking so good, baby. I love some of the moves they've made. It's the Toluca Pachuca update. Yes, we're bringing it back here to start 2019. And I love the moves, some of the moves Toluca have made to strengthen this squad. This looks like a team that can be reckoned with. I really believe that. That's early, of course. We're one game in. But we're talking about a team now that I believe has the firepower. Bringing Giliotti, Giliotti and a great move there. I mean, I think this team has enough. Ariantos I love. I love a lot of the guys that they have on this squad. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Now, of course, Enrique Treverio had the hat trick in the first game. You don't start any better than that, you know, with the Argentine. So I'm loving what this team is, what's possible for Toluca. However, the other part of the Uca Derby here, my beloved Pachuca, holy cow, you cannot play any worse in a first game coming out of the gate, right? All the, there's so much, really, one game is one game. The first game of any season, baseball, football, basketball, soccer, hockey. We always overrate the opener, right? We kind of do because it's the first one. So we can't panic. But, oh, boy. Let me put it to you this way. If you wasted your 90 minutes watching that Pachuca game, I'm sorry. Because it was a waste of our lives. 
5-0 drubbing at the hands of Monterey. Now, of course, Monterey's good. But come on. And I do not like what I'm seeing out of the possibility of this squad. Now, they'll be better. It's a bad game. I get it. But, man, you cannot play any worse if you're Pachuca in that opener. I'm expecting much better out of my beloved Pachuca going forward. Toluca is still my favorite, but I do like Pachuca as well. And we will continue to update the Toluca and Pachuca throughout the season. And I cannot wait for the Uca Derby coming up here in the Clausura. We'll get into that when the time comes. Uh, we got a little time to wait for that one. Let's just put it that way. They don't play until all the way, really near the end, actually, March 30th. So that game's coming up. I think it's like the 12th game of the Clausura between the two teams. So long way into the schedule before we get to that, but uh, we'll have some fun with that. It's always fun to talk Liga MX. If you got any thoughts on it, hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Who are your favorites there? It's so easy to kind of just point, you know, to the previous either Apertura or Clausura, depending on what season you're coming off of. It's easy to point to the previous champion and say, well, yeah, they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, I'll give Club America a lot of credit. They're going to be very difficult to handle, no doubt. And there are a couple of other really, really good teams. I, I, ex- I expect more out of Chivas here. I really do. I know it's kind of a new time. They had to get their feet underneath them again. They had the Club World Cup where they kind of flopped, and they, they had one eye on that in the offseason. So now it's time to refocus. I do expect more out of Chivas coming into this. I, I want to keep an eye on Tijuana, of course. Jolos with new manager Oscar Perea coming over from FC Dallas. That's another great story. But the big story out of Mexico, of course, Tata Martino makes it official. The speculation's over. He is the new manager of El Tri, and this one scares me to death because I want to talk a little bit about the U.S. men's national team as well as they're in their first camp under new manager Greg Berhalter. But bringing in Tata Martino for El Tri scares me as an American soccer fan to death. I am not happy about that because he's a great manager, and Mexico is already good enough. My most bitter rival in all of world football, I don't need them getting better based on their managerial decisions. That kind of frustrates me. Now, I like Greg Berhalter, and as we take a look at the team he brought in for a couple of friendlies coming up, his first match is in charge. They got Panama on January 27th in Glendale, and then they go to, uh, they'll take on Costa Rica up in San Jose on February 2nd. So some games out west here. In our neck of the woods. They're training down at Chula Vista, which just started a couple of days ago. And among the players on that roster, Tyler Miller is one of the four goalkeepers. Don't know if he'll get any action in these upcoming games. And also, Christian Ramirez for LAFC. He's also on the roster. We'll see how that shakes out here between the two games, what goes on. But there's some other good names that I really, I'm really looking forward to seeing out of this roster. Reggie Cannon for FC Dallas, one of the 10 defenders that Burhalter has brought into camp. Walker Zimmerman, of course, is there. So we've got a lot of connection here in Southern California. Uh, also, if you're looking up front, not only with Christian Ramirez, but I love the fact that Jossie Zardes gets to reunite with his manager from Columbus, Burhalter. I think Zardes did really good things under Greg Burhalter, and I expect a lot of that to continue, and I would love to see the former Galaxy guy really get going for the U.S., right? what we need this is crucial time for the united states yes these are friendlies to start it out but four-year cycles go quick and we missed the last world cup and it cannot happen again i want to get off to a flying start usually these little friendlies 
you know, the year after a World Cup, they don't mean a whole lot. No, we got to get going. He's got a lot of work to do, does Burhalter and his staff. Oh, for the record, also Sebastian Legette getting a look, which I love too, for the Galaxy. Legette suffered that foot injury playing with the U.S. a few years ago. But man, love Sebastian Legette as a good possibility for the United States going forward in that midfield. I hope he has a good camp as well and shows up well in those games. But this is a crucial time. Normally I wouldn't even care about these games. But it does. It takes on so much more meaning. Now there's a CONCACAF Gold Cup later in the year too, so we got to get ready for that. And that tournament's going to be massive. we got to start winning again and gaining confidence and finding who that next generation is because it's all generational. You know this, right? I mean, nothing is certain in world football. Nothing is guaranteed. The Germans were awful this World Cup. Didn't see that coming. France won it. France could struggle mightily in the next World Cup. That's just the way world football is. It's all cyclical, and who's coming up and who's going out, who's retiring, where's the next generation coming from. All that stuff matters, and it matters big time. So we got to start winning immediately under Greg Berhalter. No messing around, no tinker. Now, he's going to have to tinker some. I shouldn't even say no tinkering. I get it. But I'm talking about going out and starting to put together a team that can play. I don't mean winning every game either. Don't mistake what I'm saying. And I think you probably feel the same. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer, if you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about going out and we have to win every game. Yes, that's your ultimate goal, of course. These are professional players. But my point is this. Go out and play like you want to win every game. Go attack. Go develop something that tells everybody, hey, we're here to play. We're not messing around anymore. And I think we lost our way a little bit. And frankly, I think that started with Jurgen Klinsmann getting scared all the way back in the 2014 World Cup. And playing scared. I know we had some success, quote-unquote. We got out of our group. We always get out of our group. Stop with that. That's not the end game. I want to start to reestablish playing a way that tells everybody we're not scared of anyone. And that starts immediately. You don't... 2018's done. Yes, we missed the World Cup. Yes, we'll never forget that. So what? It's over. Now we can move on. Let's get out there and start playing in a way that tells people we're back. We are back. And hopefully better than ever under new manager Greg Berhalter. So that's that's all I'm saying. I, we got we we have to establish something going out right now. I don't care how far away we are from World Cup 2022. Let's look at the Gold Cup like it's our World Cup, and let's play to win that thing. Let's play to smash everyone on our way to hopefully uh, hoisting the trophy in that tournament as well. Hit me up on Twitter at Talk Soccer. Still plenty to get to. There are some stories rumbling around. Concerning the Columbus crew, we'll talk a little bit about that. Not so much, you know, don't worry if you're a crew fan, you're not going anywhere. (laughs) You already had that scare, that's all settled. But some uh, story about a a player that might be coming over that could be very interesting. 
And also, you know, a little bit thing, uh, crazy little thing we like to call stoppage time. All that and so much more coming up next. I'm Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California. This is ESPN LA 710. We continue to run up and down the pitch here on Soccer Weekly in the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, the voice of LAFC, which you can hear right here on ESPN LA and the ESPN app. By the way, we mentioned it earlier in the show, we will have the preseason matchup. Great game coming up for LAFC in the preseason there. January 31st, they'll be taking on Visao Kobe, a, a great team from Japan. Of course, they have the likes of Andres Iniesta, Lucas Podolski, and David Villa, who has just left uh, MLS. So, yeah, plenty uh, of names there, needless to say, from both LAFC and Visao Kobe coming up January 31st at Bank of California Stadium. Great opportunity if you've never been to the bank to go to that game. If you can't make it, you can listen to it here on ESPN app, and uh, we'll be bringing that one to you. just wanted to mention that. Uh, Still got stoppage time coming up in a few minutes, but a story coming out, uh, according to uh, MassiveReport.com, that they're reporting that it looks like the Columbus crew have signed Brazilian Robinho Barbosa, the 23-year-old who was coming in from uh, the Brazilian Syria A, and uh, he's, uh, you know, Again, another young signing for MLS, right? These are not 40-year-old men on the, you know, the retirement circuit, 35-year-old dudes. This is a 23-year-old kid coming in from Brazil for new signing or well, a new signing for relatively new manager Caleb Porter. And just I wanted to follow up on it because remember we talked about Columbus Crew last week and how big that is for MLS to kind of reestablish themselves after all the mess that was Columbus Crew possibly leaving to Austin, Texas with uh, owner Anthony Precourt. Well, it's been settled. New ownership, new stadium plans, and now a new signing for new manager, Caleb Porter. It just, again, you cannot stress it enough. Now, I know I'm from Ohio. The first ever MLS game I went to was a Columbus Crew game, what seems like 40 years ago, but it wasn't quite that long. And so, yeah, I have a little connection, of course, to Columbus Crew, but it's, it's not even about that. MLS has done a very good job when they've had to go through a possible tough situation in reversing that. And i got to give credit to Don Garber and the league for that. I know a lot of people rip on this league. I never have. I've always been a fan of it because I love the beautiful game, and it's what we have. Is it perfect? No, of course not. But I love the league, and I want to see it succeed. And I have to applaud and commend Don Garber. There's been some situations. Remember, San Jose earthquakes. Well, San Jose at the time. They go to Houston, right? San Jose gets a team back as quickly as you possibly could, essentially. Columbus on the on the verge of losing a team. I did not think if Columbus lost their team to Austin, they were getting one back ever. Well, essentially, they've been saved. Now Austin will be an expansion team. Things like that matter. Yes, you can go all the way back to Florida with the retraction of, or the contraction, I should say, of a Miami fusion and Tampa Bay mutiny, but most of you don't even remember MLS that far back. And there's been other cases of that kind of thing where, look, Chivas USA, a colossal failure. Buy the team back, get rid of that ownership. In comes new fantastic ownership, and LAFC is born, and the expansion team does nothing but great things last season. So these things matter. And Columbus Crew is another key example of that. Those are saves by Don Garber in the league. And, of course, Jimmy and D. Haslam and uh, Mr. Edwards, the owners now of Columbus Crew. 
moving forward. So I just wanted to mention that signing, but it also just goes to show you that big plans now there for that team, and they're reestablishing themselves. That is a very, very good sign for the league itself. And Austin will be successful. I believe that. I really do. That's a good market to go to. I'm just glad it's not at the expense of another team. You know what is a very good thing to go to each and every week? Which is how we end this show. It's the best segment in radio. It's stoppage time. It's stoppage time! Yeah, stoppage time! stoppage time! Right now! The producer of both this show and all the broadcast for LAFC, the great Mario Reese, joins us now. He's the host of Stoppage Time. Mario, what's going on, buddy? Dave, who could forget those Tampa Bay Muni jerseys, right? Those uh, kits they oh, had. Oh, boy. All those you know, kits, as a matter of fact, of that first year of it's MLS so funny. was crazy. It, it, oh, they were wild, that mutiny. <laughs> remember, now remember, that's a team that had, at one point, had Carlos Valderrama, Steve Ralston. I mean, they were loaded. Oh, yeah. Roy Lasseter. Lasseter, so, I remember him, yeah. I got a story to tell you, Mario. I was working at another radio station in L.A., a sports station at the time. This is, what, 19, I guess, 1999. Okay, we're going back a ways. Yeah. MLS had only been around. This was essentially their third or fourth season, right? Okay. And I only been in L.A. for a little while. Well, they sent us out to spring training for the Dodgers because we happened to be the Dodger station at the time. Again, a different radio station at the time. And uh, so we're going to do our shows in, at then Vero Beach. And I was doing a show with a guy who many people will be familiar with here in Southern California, the great Newey Scruggs. We were doing a show back yes, in the day. Yes, of course, yeah. And so we get sent out to do our show at Vero Beach, the Dodgers, for a week, which is, you know, not uncommon at the time. And I realized as we were landing and getting off the plane in Orlando, I think it was, and we were going to go drive down to Vero, that Tampa Bay Mutiny were playing at the same time against New England Revolution. Oh, okay? wow. Perfect. Yeah, right after we got off the plane. Now, Orlando's not that far from Tampa, but... If you know geography in Florida, it's the opposite direction of Vero Beach. So did you hit up the Uber? Oh, there was no Uber back No then. Uber. We had, <laughs> we, you know, we were going to get a rental car and go right. down together. Right. Right. We don't have two rental cars. Mm-hmm. So Nui, I have to convince to go to a Tampa Bay Mutiny New England Revolution game. We don't have press passes. We don't have tickets. The game kicks off in about an hour. Right? Right. And it's about an hour's drive. See, roughly. these are the best stories. When you do the spur of the moment, last, yes. last second decision making, you go, those are the funnest nights. Those what are the a funnest trooper days. he was. He says yes because it's the only car we have. He could have yeah. just said, no, dude, I'm tired, or I want to go do something in Vero. Or I, well, they call it Zero Beach for a reason. But anyway, <laughs> so we go, yeah. and I was so jazzed. He knew I was such a huge soccer fan. And at that time, Mario, I think it was you, me, and a couple of other people in L.A. Yeah. that were willing to admit they love soccer, right? And, right. and then, of course, everybody who listened to uh, who didn't listen to our stations that love soccer in L.A. Still millions of fans at the time. But in terms of, like, kind of younger, gener- you know, stri- trying to get into MLS, there weren't a lot of us. Let's put right. it that way. So it was so cool to go to that game. In, we got, I called up the uh, last minute. The people, the PR people were great. Oh, set awesome. us up, you know, set us up, and we got to go, you know, we went in the press box, went to a suite, I don't think it was a suite or a press box area that was kind of separate, and we watched that game, and uh, wow. I don't even remember who won or anything like that, but Carlos Valderrama, come on. Yeah, you had a great time, didn't you? We have a great oh. time. Yeah, you know, he didn't mind, actually. Okay. He was a good sport about it, but he really didn't mind. I, I can't remember what happened. It was probably a really bad game, frankly, because <laughs> the league was still on, uh, you know, still early in its existence. And let's be honest, not all the teams had especially great players at the time, but it was fun. And so that was a lot of good uh, good time there. I just wanted to mention that real quick. Sorry. Sorry awesome. to get, get us off track there. I no problem, problem. No problem. I remember those those through balls from uh, Valderrama back oh, in those days. 
So good. It was awesome. All right, so Christian Pulisic uh, sat down with ESPN FC and talked to Raphael Honigstein about his future with Chelsea. Check this out. Do you think this might be a daunting step for you, or do you feel you're 100% ready, this is the right time, this is the right club for me? I'm, I'm feeling I'm really happy with my decision uh, at the moment. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't have any regrets. I'm, I'm really excited. But, uh, yeah, the best thing is I get to finish out a strong season here. And, uh, yeah, after that, then I, I can move on to this next step. So reporters oh, and uh, fans are still doubting uh, Pulisic, asking if he's, if he's ready for Chelsea. I know. I'm not blaming him, uh, Rafael, for asking the question. It's a perfectly fine question, and I like the answer that Christian Pulisic gave. But it's like, let's just stop worrying about it. They're not paying $73 million. We talked about it last week. He'll be fine. Christian Pulisic will be fine at Chelsea. He is a fabulous young player. He's, what, still 20 years old? I mean, he's still got room to grow, don't get me wrong, but he's, he's the real deal. And I love, I love hearing him say he's ready. He knows the challenge that's ahead. I love that confidence in him. Absolutely. Yeah. The kid is he's brimming with it, and rightfully so. He knows how good he is. We might not, as American fans, because we have a complex. He knows how good he is, Mario. That's all that matters. He'll- Oops, I'm sorry, Dave. Were you finished there? No worries. No worries. I think we're about done, Mario. I got, we got to get out of here, actually. Okay. So that, that is stoppage time. The great Mario Reese. Appreciate all his work. I babbled on there and killed no, the rest flies. of the segment. Time flies, man. It's all good. <laughs> Indeed it does. It's the fastest hour in all of radio here in Southern California. I am Dave Donald. Thanks so much for listening to Soccer Weekly here on the home of world football here, ESPNLA 710.